Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Wanted to hop on real quick before we get into today's episode and let everyone know that the next seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge registration link is live. You can go to the show notes, click the link for more details, or you can go to www.the fastingforlife.com forward slash live. Wanted to speak directly to you if you've been listening to the podcast, maybe you're new and just getting started, or maybe you've been fasting for a while and really trying to adopt that lifestyle and the scale just won't move beyond that two to four, three to five pounds each week, or maybe you feel like you've hit that dreaded weight loss plateau, or maybe the hunger, or as my wife likes to say, the hangriness has snuck up and bit you on the backside, and you just can't seem to get away from those cravings, or the consistency of your fasting schedule just isn't allowing you to get back on track if you've fallen by the wayside, this seven-day lifestyle challenge is exactly for you. It's coming up in the near future. Please don't miss out on this opportunity. We are super excited to be leveling up this experience and leaving that diet baggage behind, giving you the confidence and the habits to build that long-term weight loss and fasting lifestyle success. Go to the show notes, you can click the link, or www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. We will hope to see you on the inside. And now to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here as always with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey Scott, how are you? Doing fantastic. Today, my friend, I am excited for today's conversation and today's episode. For the first time on the podcast, unpacking the fasting types. So the three fasting types, I'm going to say the word we, that we are a part of, Tommy and I included. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, because, because we have a type as well in regards to the application of fasting and making fasting a lifestyle. So there's three main types that we have deduced over the last two and a half years from all of the comments and feedback and challenges and emails yeah. and messages that we've success gotten. struggles all of it yep <laughs> we're gonna unpack all of it and the key takeaway for today is to be able to identify your fasting type and then insulate yourself from those pitfalls of that type so this is something we've been doing in our challenges uh, we've put this in some of our emails over the courses of the weeks to months you might have seen them before Mm -hmm. Today is going to be a complete unpacking of the fasting types and then more importantly, what you can do about them. So we have a fasting challenge, a seven-day lifestyle challenge coming up on July 20th. So you can go to the show notes, click that link for more dates and information as well. Do not miss that opportunity doing these challenges. And I, if I do say so myself, they're getting more fun and more engagement and better yeah. results every time we do one, man. Yeah. So I am pumped that we've got another one coming up here on July 20th. One last announcement. Welcome to all of the new listeners. So you can hear Tommy's voice. You can hear my voice. 
We are the co-creators and co-founders of Fasting for Life and the Fasting for Life podcast. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear more about our story and how we ended up here, feel free to go back and listen to With Grace. We appreciate the grace. Please. Uh, episode Thank zero you. and episode <laughs> one. I think one of those was recorded on AirPods. I don't even know. Oh, man. Go no. back, hear our story. Rotary phone. Why we, <laughs> why we started <laughs> this and why we continue to deliver episodes every single week. Shout out to the OGs, the Fasting for Life fam that have been on this journey for a while. We appreciate yeah. your comments, your encouragement. Your five-star reviews keep telling the Apple and podcast gods that we are delivering good, impactful content, and we will continue to do so. So, Tommy. Yeah. As we unpack the fasting types for today, the one of the funnest, funnest, is that a word? Most fun parts. <laughs> I think it's either. Grammar police out there, go ahead and let me know. Wait. They will. They will. Yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> the funnest, most fun part of coming up with these types was going through weekly check-ins and emails and questions and conversations and comments yeah. on social and seeing these consistent themes and how people are applying fasting, but then also setting themselves up for some stumbling along the way. Yeah, because as we've talked about before, we tend to make a lot of the same decisions today that we did yesterday. So we can inadvertently or subconsciously or almost unconsciously fall into some typical patterns for ourselves that we may or may not be aware of. Or even if we are aware of them, sometimes it's not always obvious how to actually break out of those patterns. They can become like well-worn ruts. And what we find is that for better or worse, some of these patterns continue to emerge across different fasting journeys. And we can put some strategic things in place. We can understand them a little bit better, and then we can prevent, insulate, and then actually begin to break the pattern, but also uh, mold our environment around so we can protect from falling into those same patterns again. Yeah, and I think it's, this episode should hopefully kind of land in the same breath as the the willpower episode that we've gotten tons of feedback on. Yeah. You have willpower, you have won't power, and then you have the I want power, which is the one that can actually be strengthened like a muscle. Yeah. And that really speaks to discipline versus, you know, versus willpower and those building of those habits over time. So if we know what our habits are, then we can plan to address the underlying cause of the habit rather than just trying to modify the behavior, which gets you most times, especially in my personal life and professional life as well, gets you in the spin cycle. So yeah. you can't seem to undo, you're like, why do I keep doing this, right? And that's Banging your head up against the wall. Yeah, that self-awareness yeah. piece and that frustration piece, especially for weight loss and, and health, when yeah. you think you're doing everything right or you're fully committed and then the result doesn't match your time or your expectation, yeah. the frustration sets in. So we, you and I, each have a main fasting type. And then there's mm -hmm. also some overlap into, for most people, you've got a main one and then a secondary one that's like a minor kind of player. And yeah. then there's a group of you that will fit into all of the groups because you really don't, <laughs> you're just that special. And we're gonna give you outcomes or action steps for all of those. But the majority of people fall into the main, I'd say about 80% one, maybe 20% another. And if you can't figure out which one you are, then you probably haven't been fasting consistently enough to see the uh, the speed bumps kind of pop up. So yeah, 
Let's start with fasting type number one. So that is the fasting freelancer. Now, if you go Google the definition of freelancer, <laughs> um, you're gonna get a bunch of different definitions, but really this is gonna be the individual that is going to put a lot of stock in the ability for them to pull it off, mm. to put too much stock into their willpower, too much stock into their planning, too much stock into their, I got this type chutzpah, right? Like the, yeah. <laughs> I, I can figure this out, right? And yeah. this may sound familiar to you, right? One week you're motivated and on your fasting game and things are great, then something pops up, life stress, an unplanned event or a pivot, and you fall completely off the wagon. So like when you're on, you are like on, 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 on. committed, yeah. <laughs> hitting your fasting windows, avoiding your trigger foods, getting your workouts in, you know, plan and prep, whatever it takes. But what causes you to fall off the wagon is the cravings and the dining out or the lack of planning when it comes to, well, what am I going to eat for lunch? Or what am I going to do when I break my fast? Or maybe stress or convenience yeah. of being on the go a lot, right? Maybe your job. Yeah requires that. So nine times out of 10, you lack a plan. It nips you in the bud or you put too much faith in your, your motivation, right? The yeah. I will or I won't power and you're overconfident in the ability to make those decisions in real time. And you end up just continually moving the target. Well, I was going to do a 24. Now I'll do a 30. Oh, I was going to do an 18. Now I'll do it. I'll cut it at 12 and then I'll start again tomorrow. Mm, freelancing. Yeah. What if you also run into that situation where you go, okay, fasting, cool. I'm feeling better. This is working. I know this is going to be the strategy that I need, but you don't necessarily have a plan for your next upcoming fast or your next few fasts. And so you go, no, I'll just figure it out when I get there. And then Tuesday hits and then Friday hits and then the invitation to happy hour hits. And then all of a sudden, I'm here now, I'm in the moment and oh, hey, those cravings are back. Oh, hey, that looks delicious over there. And all of a sudden I'm way off track, even though Monday, like I was on it. Like you said, I was a thousand percent, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because if you think about this in the true freelance, like kind of framework, freelancers are self-employed and they're not committed to a particular employer long-term. Mm -hmm. So you are literally like the, I got it, maybe perfectionist, maybe analysis paralysis that can fit in there. You work really yeah. good with deadlines and pulling stuff off last minute. But the commitment uh, part there is that you're committed to the uncommitment of the variability of the freelance <laughs> when like you're kind of paying yourself in a corner. I know it's funny yeah. to say it that way, yeah. but it's that repetitive like variability that gets you in trouble. Yeah, And there is a solution to it. And for you fasting freelancers, as you're listening, if I say the word consistency, mm. then that might be a red flag word where it's like, what do you mean consistency? <laughs> I get the job done. I hit the time. I get the deadline. Yeah. You know, I'm, when I'm on, I'm on. I'm really good at it. Right. But yeah. the consistency is the key. And we don't need to try to change everything at once. We need to allow ourselves to get 80% progress or 60% progress over perfection yeah. because those consistent little wins is what's going to get you the result long-term rather than this big volatile on and off type situation. Yeah. You know, one way to also know if you are a fasting freelancer, you might 
in the vein of that hardcore on and off, that black and white, you know, big swings, you might find the temptation to, you went off trail. Maybe it was Friday and maybe it's through Monday or maybe it's longer than that. And all of a sudden you want to hit it, hit it hard, rip that bandaid off with like the biggest fast that you've ever done, kind of making up for all of the being off track. Yeah. So the, oh, let's do a five day fast because (laughs) it's been two weeks since I've actually hit a consistent fasting window. Yes. Yeah. And that speaks to one of the other things you can do as a fasting freelancer is you don't want to miss your fasting window or your feeding window more than two times in a row. So Hmm. you want to, rather than going for the home run, right? Three strikes and you're out rather than going for the home run and hit swinging for the fences. Yeah. Yeah. Start small, commit to something that you know you can hit consistently and set yourself up for success with making the meal include some of the things that you go off the rails with or pull that long term home run type swing down to just get it. Let's get a single. Let's get on base. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get (laughs) it. Let's start with those small consistencies. And sometimes that really takes you from from zooming out to let's say you have 50 pounds to lose and you're looking at the big picture. And maybe you've accomplished it before, but you've given it back. Yeah. Now you're looking at it going, oh my goodness. I know how much time, effort, and energy it took for me to get it the first time, but then I gave it all back. So like subconsciously, you're thinking like, man, there is a gap here that's going to take a ton of work and a lot of it. And it's just, I don't know if I'm really wanting to do that. So zoom in. On the next 48 to 72 hours, split your week in twos and Hmm. break it down where you can force yourself to plan rather than freelance for the next three to four days at a time. Stop thinking about the whole giant big picture all at once, especially if you've done it before. That can be a lot because you go, wow, I sustained motivation and effort for a long period of time. Am I able to do that again or do I want to do that again? Yeah, I had a recent conversation with an onboarding into the VIP group coaching experience after the last challenge. And she was sharing with me the story of how she won the biggest loser contest and self-proclaimed fasting freelancer, right? Yeah. She won the biggest loser contest, lost 80 pounds over 12 months, like two-a-day workouts, meal planning, hit her metrics. Wow. Absolutely crushed it, but was unable to stay consistent with the fasting lifestyle over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, hopped in a challenge, saw great results, felt the whoosh a couple weeks after the challenge, right? So the mm. scale went down, the energy's starting to come up, the cravings are starting to balance out. Yeah. But it was that realization as we were talking that it was like, hey, so why do you think it is you can't stick with this when the life events or the strip or the stress pops up? So I just threw this out there. Well, do you think it might be because you know how hard and how much you suffered to get the result last time? Like maybe you subconsciously don't want to do that again. Well, guess what? This time you have an opportunity to do it on your terms in a different way with sustainability built in. I'm like, you've already done it the hard way. Now (laughs) let's come over here and do it this way on your terms with your goals with sustainability built in. And it was like this giant weight came off I was like, wait, I don't have to be the freelancer anymore. I yeah. don't have to have that extra pressure and perfection over progress. Yeah, because she's looking at that last experience going, I felt like I had to outwork it last time. And that's how I got there. I like grinded it out. But if I can know 
what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and show up consistently, I don't ever have to feel like I need to outwork the last three or four or five days or the last week or two where I felt yep. off track and make up for it. Because that, that, that doesn't really work anyway. If this is not a complete depiction of my weight loss journey, mm. and I'll spare the details, but it was like work my butt off for three months to get to a certain number before a vacation. Yep. And oh, hire the I've nutritionist done that so many times. in Houston, who's world renowned and followed the program. And I was sticking to the program. And after three months, I start, my results started to wane. And it was mm -hmm. just do more of the program, do more of the program. Work it harder. And work harder, work harder. Yeah. And I'm like, no, something's not right. Like, yeah. Which led to insulin resistance and fasting and all that other stuff. So self-proclaimed identifying as a fasting freelancer, as my fasting type, the conversation mm -hmm. with her spoke truly from my heart because it was like, yeah, I know what you're going through. So as a fasting freelancer to recap, um, you are 100% on or 1000% on versus 1000% off. Like when you're off, you're off. Something typically pops up and snags you, life stress, an unplanned event, a pivot, right? That freelancing mindset. Yeah. And then the way to get back on track is to stay consistent with small targets, force yourself to zoom in rather than looking at the big picture, and then don't miss more than twice in a row. So three strikes and you're out. So yeah. Tommy. Fasting type number two, which I would say is probably about 60% of the people that we come across. Yeah. And that is the weekend warrior. So Ooh. Monday through Thursday, you got it. Friday, man, I deserve that happy hour. Yeah. Friday, the temptation kicks in. It's like, ah, those fasting police, they don't work on the weekend, right? Like no. <laughs> they're off. They're always on a, on a three-day weekend. I mean- this is how I went through my low calorie, like um, my low and slow kind of yeah. diet mentality it was like Monday through Thursday. I mean, I was on. And then, yeah, Friday, it was like, we're not sticking to the whole diet thing like this whole weekend, right? Like, Where's we my just, reward? Where's my yeah, Tuesday? right. Yeah. And, you know, usually it, it started with like a Friday night pizza or something like that. And then just forget about it after that. But, you know, come Monday, I was plenty frustrated and plenty motivated to like get back on track. So- that weekend warrior, if you start doing the math and you start looking at the intake that can happen over the weekend, it is so easy to undo what you did for the, for the previous days. And it doesn't feel like it, like in the moment. Especially if you're doing more of an intermittent window, if you're new doing the 16, 18 hour windows. Yeah. And this is how it happens. And this is how it kind of, how we see it kind of laying out, right? So um, like you said, you know, you're great starting out Monday morning, maybe the guilt of the weekend or the indulgence has motivated you, right? Yes, yes. You hit all, you plan your week, you hit your fasting windows, you break your fast with nutrient-dense foods, you get, you're getting your movement in, maybe you're walking or doing a couple of resistance-type workouts a week, you're staying hydrated, mm -hmm. you're focusing on your sleep. That all sounds great, right? You're moderating right. your stress. Monday through Thursday, you are an impenetrable force to be reckoned with. You are fighting off, you are blocking, shielding, you know, blocking off all those curveballs and deflecting. The, You're playing good I, defense. Yeah, there you go. The I deserve it on the way home on Friday. Like I just want yeah. to unwind and I want to, you know, binge Netflix or I want to go have the special yeah. dinner with the family. And that's fine. We want those experiences over the emotional connection to food in those situations. Right. Um, but then you give in and you you treat yourself on Friday, which is great. 
But then Saturday, you wake up and the cravings are worse and yeah. the hydration is down and the sleep's been disturbed. So now you're pushing the boulder up the hill and then it's like, all right, well, I guess I'll just deviate from the plan for another, just this one more meal. And then mm. next thing you know, you wake up Monday morning and you're looking at it going, wait, here I am again, like restarting yeah. the diet on Monday or restarting yeah. my fasting windows on Monday. And we see this in the group mm -hmm. every Monday, man, I'm going to start Monday with a burn day. Well, fasting shouldn't be reparations for things you've done or preparation for going crazy. Yeah, there should be that consistency, that lifestyle application where you should be able to enjoy the foods and the things that you love while still getting results and sustainability long term. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, y'all wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code. Uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. And like when you come into it after a weekend like that, you should expect that, you know, the next time you set your fasting timer, it's going to be a little tougher. Like, right, those cravings kick up. My, my stomach grumblings kick up. I'm still remembering those highly, sati not, not satiating foods, those highly 
craveable foods, especially if I had like some highly processed carbohydrates, a restaurant meal, if I, if there was alcohol involved, that's going to kick it up even worse. And then I'm going to see the scale probably tick up Sunday or Monday as well, which can be, can hit my motivation as well. I can be frustrated. I can be judging myself off the last couple of days, have a little regret. Well, and then especially if I'm an emotional eater or I have emotional ties to food, I may want to bring in some more food to kind of help fix the feelings that I'm feeling now with the frustration on Monday too. So all of these things can make that next fast that much harder. So if you find yourself in this weekend warrior cycle, this like vicious cycle, even if it happens again, which it might, you know, it's a, it's a behavior pattern. It might pop up again, right? So let's be prepared for it. So if it does, then giving some grace on Monday and rather than failing at an attempt at like a 40 hour fast, you know, going into Monday, doing a little bit of a shorter fast before you do maybe a slightly longer fast the next day is going to be much more likely to be a successful win, book that win, and then get off on the right foot. Yes, I might feel like I'm a day behind, but who cares? Like it's not a race, you know, and it can help break that thought process right there. Yeah. The finish line in in maintaining weight loss and health, it doesn't end until we're no longer here, right? Like it's it's a constant journey, right? So putting those hard boundaries around it, starting it on a certain day of the week. That's why we do our challenges. We start them on Wednesdays. We go through the weekend with you. Right. And then it's crazy because we know what happens and we know where the Mm -hmm. the live, you know, participants. And then we see the uptick on Monday again. Oh, all right. We can warn you are back, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They're re-engaged, right? So I love that how to start the week with the smaller win. But I'll also say maybe keep your fasting window the same, but make it an actual clean fast. Mm. Like get rid of the, which is the third fasting type, which we'll get to in a minute. Get rid of all the fluff, do a clean fast, make it shorter, stick to the window. And then when you get to the weekend, obviously we still need some boundaries for those events and special events. But we'll talk about that in a second. But you're going to be able to front load your week with some wins. So the decision to fall into the old weekend warrior mindset is more difficult on the weekend. And you want to make sure you're planning for those weekend occasions, special dinners, football games, you know, back-to-back baseball games, you know, sports, vacations, vacation. Say you have a football day, right? You're going to a football game and you're going to be tailgating. Okay. Don't do a long fast and then break your fast. Like by going straight into the event, like make sure before you get to the event or the dinner, you plan what you're going to get. But like have a big old, I don't know, serving of protein, some mm-hmm. greens, some veggies, some stuff that's going to fill you up and help the protein is going to balance your blood sugar. Do yeah. that before you get to the event. So you're not ravenous at the end of, let's say, a 30 or a 36 hour fast. And you're Good going point. right into the event because then yeah. you're just going to have this insulin spike and then the sleep's going to be disturbed and then you're going to be right back where you were on saturday and sunday morning going oh my gosh why is this so much harder in the weekends yeah because you're working against the underlying physiology those kind of foods that would be around like a weekend event or a tailgating event or something like that i mean they're going to be hallmark calendar yeah (laughs) just that alone it's like all the holidays we have it's crazy it's exhausting (laughs) but but those foods that are oftentimes around tend to be more calorically dense, more craveable. You're going to bring in more, more feel snacky. less. Yeah, more snacky. You're going to feel less satisfied. They're going to have a higher insulin response and they're going to sneak calories in, which is going to make the next fast harder. It's going to make the scale tick up and it's kind of like, okay, 
wait a minute, what, what's going on here, right? Like definition of insanity, keep doing the same, the same cycle over and over again. So finding these little points to, to kind of break up that cycle can go a long way. The last thing here for the weekend warrior would be before you order the next drink or before you have that next plate of food or before you order that dessert or before you keep your window open, count down from five to one, acknowledge that the behavior has shown up, pat yourself okay. on the back, virtual hug, virtual high five. It's okay. You're not, you're not a bad person. You're not a chronic hmm. dieter. You're not a procrastinator. You're not a whatever you are. You have a habit of doing those things. Yeah. The habit is not your identity. The habit is what we're going to tap into with a long-term consistency and fasting and balancing the hormones, et cetera. So set your, just count down five to one, set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes before you do that next activity, that next action. That's mm. the habitual thing, right? That I yeah. just mentioned. Yeah. And most times this came out of research of procrastination. Most times you won't go back and do it again. You'll be like, yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I don't need this. Or no, I don't yeah. want it, right? So it's called the 54321 exercise. And it's been powerful. And you can use that anytime. But specifically for the weekend warrior, when you're trying to stop the bleeding, so to speak, yeah. it's just the realization that the habit is the thing, not you as the thing. And like giving mm. yourself a little bit of grace in that moment, which is where we started the conversation uh, around, you know, the weekend warrior type fasting style. Yeah, that's a big one because, um, you know, getting out of that like shame guilt cycle that can come along, can come along, especially with with years and years of yo-yo dieting. But then right. you can see it from from week to week in that cycle, too. And that's the whole purpose of that five, four, three, two, one. It's that's a huge one, because what it does is it allows the emotional and the automatic behavior response, both of those sides of the equation it allows those to come down. We have enough time to put rational thought process within that 10 minute timer that you just set. And then I get to make an actual decision rather than just repeating a more automatic behavior in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. Huge. For sure. And it's one of the things like when we start the challenges and we, we share the schedule and we go over it on Monday and the challenge starts on Wednesday and then we go through and then the weekend. And one of the biggest things we get is, well, what about my insert event on Friday, Saturday or Sunday? Like, what yeah. about this? Heck, we did one of these over Easter. People were like, why? Yep. why? I'm like, well, because that's life. These and you're never going to avoid Easter, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and you don't have to fast on Easter. You don't yeah. have to have a, a burn day, right? Like a 28 hour, a 36 hour fast. No, right. enjoy yeah. the day, put some boundaries. And so it's that idea that the construct that we're operating in is, it doesn't have to always be based on the external thing that we are able yeah. to tap into the control of that situation and literally just saying the word weekend, right? Like, yeah. oh, it's the weekend. It's like, a, Woo! like a trigger word, yeah. Woo, yeah, oh, it's hump day, it's Wednesday, I'm almost there, right? Like yep. that stuff is built in societally into our everyday experience. So yeah, our culture, I yeah. Love, yeah, our culture too, I love that framework. All right, fasting type number three, Tommy. Yeah, this is Am you, I on right? the couch? Am I on the couch? Yeah. You're on the couch. Gratuitous, the gratuitous grazer. I'm, I got my hands up right now. Gratuitous yeah. grazer. Yep. Visual that's audio me. medium. But yes, I can see that his hands are both. Is it both? I can attest that both of his hands are raised right now. This is a good one. I don't know percentage wise off the top of my head, but I know that if you find yourself going, wow, like if you find yourself waiting for that 
eating window, or if you call it a feasting window, that can make it even worse because then it's like, oh, the buffet is open, you know? And especially if fasting is giving you the freedom of not counting calories, but you're used to doing it or you've done it in the, fa- in the past, and then it becomes an opportunity to, you know, have all the things that you felt like you were missing out. You had fear of missing out during your fast, or you're bringing in everything that you can kind of think of, or just like a, like kind of an ongoing grazing session. This can be a recipe for a disaster like it was for yeah. me. Yeah. hundred percent. And I love, you say this sometimes too, the revolving pantry door. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's defined by the taste, splash, bite, lick, sip of your favorite thing, right? So mm. now we don't obviously preach long-term restriction of certain macro groups, like based on your lifestyle, based on your metabolic flexibility, based on what's sustainable for you is what's most important. Yeah. Now, if you're trying to reverse diabetes, then yes, removing sugars and carbohydrates is going to get you there faster. Absolutely. Mm. That's the stuff that got you accelerated the process in the first place. But sure. as a gratuitous grazer by framework, it's, you know, the donut that the coworker brought in, but it's not during your eating window, right? Mm, it's yeah. a few hours before, or the, I have to have it in my coffee, right? Like I need that creamer. I need that, whatever mm. it is, you know, the, the, the extra stuff at the end of your eating window, the popcorn, the chips, the ice cream, the, the snacks at night and something of the crunchy. Yeah. Yeah. The salty, crunchy, the leftover. This is for me, the leftover delicious sausages left on your kid's breakfast plate, right? Where yep. you're like, yeah, huh? I don't want to go to waste. Yeah. Right. They'll eat them cold, put them in a bag. The kid's lunch that they didn't eat, even though you made them exactly what they wanted. You open it up <laughs> and you're like, what the heck? The extra glass of wine, the second plate of food, the third craft beer. You can tell that, you know, my old life, I wrote these. That turns into less inhibitions and more consumption. The, oh, I'll just have one Oreo cookie. Oh my god! Or gosh. I'll have one Pringle. No, you won't. No, you won't. I you won't. won't. Yeah. So long-term Impossible. sustainability, all of those things, you know, added up together. Every time one of those happens is you break your fast and you spike insulin. So you're mm. not able to get the long-term benefit of the balancing of the hunger hormones, the decrease in insulin, the, the euphoria and the autophagy that takes place and the decrease in brain fog at 24 hours. Right. And all of those other things... And you just kind of get stuck in this, well, I'm doing it, but I'm not getting the result. And that comes from the realization that, you know, they did some research that they did a study, how many in a uh, a BMI group of 30 and above. So the obese category, Yeah. they were looking at asking the individuals, okay, how many food decisions do you, or food related decisions or thoughts do you make every single day? Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, I don't know. Like the average ended up being like 14 and a half. Oh, yeah. So you think about food 14 and a half times a day. Well, the reality was that the average person in the study made over 220 food related decisions each day. Wow. <laughs> That's and so And as many. you went up to the 35 and above group, it increased like exponentially. Wow. So if we are constantly stimulating that, right, grazing type mentality, then we are yeah. constantly thinking about food. And I had a conversation with another, an initial call after the last challenge. And it was, yeah, we've got a vacation coming up. And I was like, let me ask you a question. Is your entire vacation, your entire family vacation, Mm. road trip included? Let me guess if this sounds familiar. Hey, where are we going to have breakfast? Hey, when are we eating lunch? Hey, who's making dinner? Hey, we have plans tomorrow for the restaurant. Hey, we need to make a grocery run. 
Hey, right. we're going to go to the coffee shop and get X, Y, and Z. The entire itinerary of the trip mm-hmm. is framed through when are we getting together to consume? Yeah. Especially, let's say, if you're camping. My parents go camping, and I'm like, it's a graze fest. Yeah. That's right. all it is. Now, on vacation, yeah, enjoy yourself, put some boundaries, but you don't need to do a, you know, a three-day fast on a five-day cruise. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But- Every time you aren't doing a clean fast or sticking to it, you're increasing that insulin response, which is not allowing you to see that long-term benefit. Yeah. And then um, a lot of times the things that we graze on bring in the additional energy, the additional calories in a way that not only spikes our insulin significantly, but it also brings in more energy that keeps us from tapping into the long-term fat stores the next time we're on a fast anyway. So we could put ourselves on a hamster wheel like that where we didn't feel any more satisfied or, or really even remember those things that we grazed on. But at the same time, we just created more additional fasting time that we're going to need, going to need to do to reverse what we're looking to do in the first place. So it's kind of like, it's crazy. So, so we can take fasting or not. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So one thing that I like to do as a gratuitous grazer, self-reported, is if there's something that I I really want from the pantry, I'm going to put it in my next meal. Or if I'm if I'm using an eating window, I'm going to put it into that eating window. But um, I like to rephrase that as a nutrition opportunity rather than a feasting window or an eating window, because that just subconsciously triggers that grazing mentality for me and for for a lot of folks that we talk to. So. I'm just putting those things inside of my meal, putting it on the plate. And then actually part of my grazing mentality is I was never like a sit down, eat kind of guy. Like I would just walk around the kitchen, like standing up grazing. That's just kind of how I'm wired. But so sitting down can kind of defeat that. I'm not about tracking and I have been tracking recently because I'm doing a little like, you know, self study. I'm being a guinea pig, trying a new, you know, eating style and tracking my numbers and oh, that okay. kind of thing. So, yeah. so I'm tracking again. And my goodness, like I have scars, lots of scar tissue <laughs> from the years and years and years of of tracking and weighing and meal prepping and all that kind of stuff. And fasting has freed that. Mm. But in the grazing situation, some of you need to see what it is. So, you know, mm. the small splash versus the large splash of creamer, the second glass of alcohol, the three sausages off the plate, the cookie yeah. or the donut, right? You need to track for a few days to put it in front of your face of actually what you're consuming. And this is like when yeah. we used to do the old nutrition coaching back in the day inside of the clinic, you'd be like, all right, where's your food journal? Mm-hmm. You need to log everything for a week so we can actually see what's happening because the brain, just like the food decisions, where it was yeah. 200 plus decisions off a day. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm eating really good. Yeah, no, I'm sticking to my fasting windows. Well, something's going on. So tracking, even just for a few days, if that's the underlying issue, it's going to smack you in the face. You're going to be, like, be eye opening. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I see where the problem's coming from. And then the wow. second thing you've mentioned, you kind of alluded to it was changing the framework or changing the environment, right? So hmm. if it is a certain drive home, with the Chick-fil-A, then take a different way home. Insulate yourself for a little bit, for a few repetitions, insulate yourself from that situation. If you know it's Taco Tuesday at the office and everybody gets tacos for lunch, then plan your fasting windows around that or tell your coworkers that week, hey, I'm gonna skip Taco Tuesday this week. Right. And if they ask (laughs) why, just be like, 
I got blood work or something, right? You don't have to lie, yeah. but you could tell them the truth, but I wouldn't recommend yeah. it if you're new to fasting. But like, just be like, no, you don't need to know. Like, it's fine. So put your priorities yeah. in, but then also change your environment, which is going to allow you to get some of those wins. So either expose it, right? So track it, see it, and then also change your environment. And to your point, Tommy, um, the habit that goes along with that and that framework of it. And that can help break that cycle of the gratuitous grazer. Man, that's a big one. Just understanding the fact that our brains will suppress something like that because we just don't think about all those food decisions all the time. It's kind of just like, yeah, no, there can't be that many of them, right? Right. But, right, right. but literally over 90% of them got suppressed in recollection of what we actually did. So a lot of our automatic behaviors kind of fall in that category. So putting it in front of your face, not so that you can you know, judge yourself harshly about it but so that you can be real about the situation because that consumption matters and it's going to dictate my results. So if I'm really feeling stuck, like I'm at a plateau or like I can't get the scale to budge, there's something that needs to change about the situation so that you can keep moving forward, right? Absolutely. And I just want to say, this is a fasting podcast, okay? So these are yes. just fasting types. <laughs> you've got the fasting freelancer, you've got the weekend warrior, you've got the gratuitous grazer. And you might be thinking, Oh, that seems simple. Yeah, I'm definitely a type one. But then you're like, where am I going to find the energy focus, guidance, support to actually pull that off? Like we joke right. the fasting police, yeah. right? <laughs> Podcast drops on Tuesday. What are you doing the rest of the time? So I want to encourage you guys, if you're looking to break through a plateau, gain some traction, get back on track. If one of these fasting types resonates with you, or if you're all three, hop mm. to the show notes, click the link. July 20th is the next fasting challenge. We've got some new stuff coming out. We're super fired up about it and it will accelerate your learning curve dramatically, which is why yeah. we do them consistently throughout the calendar year. Now, if you're new to fasting or new to the podcast, you can also go to thefastingforlife.com and you will see some resources and gain a better picture on what it, this fasting for life lifestyle truly is. And more importantly, what you can do about it and what control you have over the situation, which is why I love the fasting types, because once you're labeled and you know your type, <laughs> now you're like, well, yeah, I do do that. It's like, okay, well, now you're aware of that behavior the next time. So yes. break a plateau, Tommy, regain control. If you're a beginner, challenges for you too. We have different tracks yeah. where you can do a beginner, an intermediate, or an advanced fasting schedule. Absolutely. We go live every single day in the group, Tommy. And I'm just super excited to finally share these fasting types with all of the listeners because they've been so impactful inside of our ecosystem. Yeah, these these are huge. And, you know, just understanding which one I typically fall into um, and my default behavior pattern. Because once you understand that default yeah. now, you can start using that I want power to start steering in a different direction that leads us towards the results that we're looking for. So it's huge. And this challenge is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to, to unpack some more of these, um, these fasting type strategies within the challenge and see some cool results too. So it's going to be awesome. All right, sir. As always, thank you for the conversation. Good stuff. Yeah. I am going to hang up the episode today with the realization that you, sir, are, were a gratuitous grazer and I was the <laughs> fasting freelancer. But two yeah. and a half years later, keeping the weight off, pushing down to new goals, body composition, visceral yeah. fat, all of those new level ups that we're going through. The fasting type should be a fun touch point because we usually get yeah. a lot of interesting, fun feedback 
about these individual situations. So Tommy, as always, thank you, sir. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.